everybody. Welcome to the Podcast Advocate. I'm your host, Samantha, and I am so happy you're here today. Um, I hope you're all staying safe. Uh, Times are so crazy, and I apologize that I've kind of gone a little bit silent on you all. Uh, It's been a crazy time for me. I graduated and finished all my level twos at the end of December of 2020, so I decided to take a little break. Um, Well-deserved, just like everybody else who's been going through all of this craziness as a student, as an as a practitioner, as anything. Everybody deserves a little break sometimes. Am I right? So I'm back and I had the wonderful opportunity to, t- to talk with Dr. Frank Chuba. Um, he, We had a wonderful conversation. Uh, before I go into a little bit more about him, I do want to remind you guys that we do have an Instagram page called OT Advocate underscore podcast. And I also have a Facebook page called Advocate with the O and the T capitalized. So feel free to give us a follow, a like, any of that, and um, I will provide information regarding future episodes, more information about Dr. Frank Juba, and kind of some information about occupational therapy too. Um, I am currently studying for the MBCOT, so wish me luck. Um, But if you are like wondering what I'm using to study, um, have any questions regarding the exam or anything like that, feel free to shoot me a message, ask me. Um, I have a study schedule and I would be more than happy to share it with you if you're kind of looking for something to format your studying. So feel free to reach out. But um, anyways, here's a little bit more information about Dr. Frank Chuba. He received his bachelor's in occupational therapy from the University of Illinois, Chicago, and his doctorate from Governor State University. He holds certifications in fitness training, kinesio taping, tai chi for arthritis and fall prevention, and lymphedema management. Dr. Chuba has received specialized training in Pilates-based exercise program, advanced resistance training for older adults, and integrating yoga-based movements into rehabilitation. So through his extensive practice in the fields of rehabilitation, fitness, and occupational therapy, he developed fitness therapy, which uses approaches to build upon a client's strengths and skills while appropriately challenging them to improved levels of physical and personal performance. Dr. Chuba personally utilizes a broad array of advanced exercise principles, manual therapy techniques, and cognitive emotional strategies to help clients redesign their routines to overcome their challenges and achieve a happier, healthier lifestyle. Through his own fitness and rehabilitation, Dr. Chuba has successfully overcome a variety of sports and life-related injuries that limited his ability to function at his optimal level, and he developed fitness therapy to uniquely address these problems. So without further ado, here is Dr. Frank Chuba. Hi, Frank. I'm so happy to have you. How are you today? I'm great, Sam. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. So I have, um, I did a little bio about kind of your experience in the field and whatnot, but I wanted you to kind of explain in your own words what you've done for the field of occupational therapy, what you currently do. I know you are kind of doing a lot, but just explaining those in for our listeners would be great. Sure. That's, that sounds great. Well, it's, you know, when you work in an industry or in a profession for 25 plus years, there's so many different things that you could probably talk about that you've done. But for me, I guess the best way to describe it is most of the work that I've been, I've, I've worked on has been in post-acute rehabilitation. So skilled nursing facilities. And 
you know, when I graduated from the University of Illinois back in 93, I had an opportunity to join my sister, who's an OT as well, and build a small company that was providing contract services in skilled nursing facilities. So I got the opportunity to sort of do a little bit of like, it's, it, it was private practice in a way because it was a small company, but it was also, you know, rehabilitation work. And back then, 25, 26 years ago, most of the clients that we saw were sort of typical clients that you might see coming out of a hospital, you know, orthopedic cases, neurological cases, and um, wasn't very complex. But as the years went by, those cases started to get more and more complex and people started to show up. Our clients started to be much more medically compromised. So I guess that's sort of the, the sum up is, you know, working in SNF. For three years, I, I worked and lived in Australia. Oh, that's cool. And it what was you, really cool. Yeah. What did you do in Australia? I started working for the, the government's uh, healthcare system because it's socialized medicine over there. Yeah. And I worked in one of the local hospitals and I, you know, worked in inpatient, you know, rehab, acute, various settings. Eventually, I got rotated into doing some home health and really found my niche there. I, I didn't mind traveling the beautiful Australian countryside, driving up into the mountains, meeting, you know, Australians out on sort of their, their version of farms and, um, you know, completing assessments and doing some one-on-one -on -one treatment for people who had, you know, transitioned home out of the hospital. And for a while, I worked for them, I started to build my own sort of private client on the side to eventually my wife and I opened our own outpatient uh, health clinic, which was near the hospital. So we could kind of take referrals from doctors and people, you know, from the hospital. Uh, my wife's a psychologist. And so we sort of had this idea that we would do holistic care. So it was called the whole health center. Uh, clients would come and they would receive psychological services with her. And if they were interested, they would also work with me if they had issues related to, you know, physical dysfunction, um, cognitive decline related to, you know, dementia or some other, you know, process they were going through health wise. And so I sort of did the physical rehab. She did the psychological services and we, we were really growing that company until we decided because of family commitment to move back to the States. And so wow. back in 08, I moved back to the States and jumped right back into post-acute rehab. Um, little home health on the side here in the States, but mostly doing that. And I served as a manager for a, a, a large company that provided post-acute rehab in, in throughout the country. And I just, you know, worked here in, in Illinois, right outside of Chicago and Oak Lawn. Wow. That's a very diverse, but like awesome experience because I bet going overseas to Australia, you learned probably so much from that. They have a different healthcare system. Totally. So like learning how to kind of adapt to that and then coming back to the States and like bringing that knowledge probably reframed the way you were an OT. Yeah, I think there was a, you're right about that, Sam, because I think in Australia at the time, now things have changed. That was in a, from 05 to 08, so a good 12 years ago that, since I left. So, you know, to become licensed as an OT in Australia, I had to go through six months of supervision, even though 
prior to going, I had been working already for 15 years yeah. with no tea. Wow. Uh, and, and that's just the requirement in order to get recognized in Australia. I don't know if that's changed. I'm guessing it hasn't. The Australian sort of employment, you know, service requires that you demonstrate, you know, that you have competence before they will recognize you as an OT. So I worked under the supervision of the lead, um, the senior OT at, at the Tweed Hospital. And after I, I completed that six months, I was able to, you know, basically take on private clients through their Medicare system. And it wasn't all that different, although there was definitely a more accepting view of OT as a, you know, standalone private service that clients would be able to come and receive services for. Yeah. I, I haven't found that to be the case so much here in, in, in the States. Um, and that's one of the one of the big things that has sort of motivated me to, um, you know, think about the future of what I want to do and why I created, you know, the, the private practice that I did, because I really wanted to be able to reach out to clients that were maybe more typically going to an outpatient, you know, physical therapy service like ATI or Athletico or going to a gym to receive services through a personal trainer or going to any type of, you know, integrative uh, complementary alternative medicine, you know, provider, like a yoga instructor or a Pilates instructor or, a, you know, a nutritionist. And it just seemed to fall, you know, with under, under the umbrella of what I wanted to do. And it was much more accepting in Australia, but not so much here in the States. Yeah, that's what I um, was reading about because you're talking about your fitness therapy lab that you have, I'm assuming. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I was reading how you are so holistic with it and just kind of the different areas. And I was like, this is so interesting because this is a niche area that I've really never kind of like wandered down and didn't know that OT had even like a place in that. So the fact that you had all of that experience, then learned through that, that this was kind of like your passion and your area where you really wanted to like grow is great I think because you're always learning and that's proof right definitely. there that you are. we're definitely lifelong learners even as a as now working as a professor at GSU now for the last year I realized there's always so much to learn and I think that's the challenge about occupational therapy because because our scope is so wide we can address so many different things from the you know the the physical to the cognitive to the emotional, um, there are spiritual elements. If we just look through the OT practice framework, it's just got so much that we cover. It really challenges us as, as professionals to be at least aware of all those things, to be able to show expertise takes commitment and time. And you can't, you can't do it all. You can't possibly be a specialist in all areas of OT. But to your point about, you know, why I got interested in it is at last spring, I had the opportunity to speak at the Illinois OT Association's student conclave that they host at Shirley Ryan. And I spoke about, and I, I pulled up a stat that came from, I think it's 2017, from the NBCOT stat. And it talks about where OTs work. And, and at that time in 2017, and I'm sure it's not all that different, people working sort of in health and wellness represents 0.3% of okay. our, of our total, you know, OT employment. And that's pretty shocking to me considering that 
we have all of these great tools. Wow. I would assume that it might be a little bit higher, but probably not by much. Because like I said, before I met you, I had really never like, I've heard a little bit about it. I've interviewed one other person who's into the same area, but you guys are different in some aspects too. So interesting. Very interesting. It is. You know, Sam, to follow up on that, you know, the public perception of what OT is, there was a really interesting study that was done that looked at, and I'm trying to remember the name of the, the, the study. I could probably get you the name of it. But basically, they looked at the public perception. I think it was done by Hildenbrand and Lamb back in 2013. And they looked at when people, when you just search OT in the media, say you look at social media and you search OT, or you look at images of OT, uh, like on Google Images, you, you come up with pictures of, of clinicians in lab coats, in medical settings, huh. um, doing sort of tabletop contrived activities mm-hmm. like a pegboard or a, a little bead maze, or you see them sitting in front of a, you know, a stationary piece of equipment uh, doing some, some exercise. And if that's what people perceive OT as, then they're really missing out on what we actually do and really the full spectrum of what we can do. And then that results in people not necessarily seeking out their services in the community. They think, wow, I'm really you know, struggling because I've got all of these chronic conditions. You know, I'm overweight. I'm struggling because maybe I have some bad habits like smoking and drinking. I'm not really sure about my diet. My doctor just told me I've got to get all that straight because I, you know, my blood pressure is way up or you know, my arthritis is really acting up. Who do I go to? They're inevitably going to probably look to a physical therapy clinic or a fitness trainer somewhere. And that's great. There's no reason why they shouldn't. But it seems to me that we have this unique ability to address those things and really get to the heart of what they want to do, which is to be engaged in the meaningful activities of their life. And so when we analyze an activity that they talk about wanting to do, wouldn't it make sense that OTs are so custom you know, trained to be able to say, what about those activities? What about those little steps that you need to complete are really going to enhance your ability to, you know, be effective at those occupations. And so it just seems to me that we have this, this great, you know, background for it. I would love to see us explore that some more. And I'd love to see our profession really sort of exercise its, its professional muscle and become more prominent in the community like that. I'm currently in a skilled nursing facility for one of my level twos, and I see patients who have all of those conditions aside with also like possibly a hip fracture that they're there for, or maybe it's low back pain or some type of condition that brought them into the skilled nursing facility. And everything in me wants to address all of those things, but they're only with me for two weeks. So it's like, how do I address all of those? when I don't have the time to, being able to refer my patients to a clinic similar to yours, like the fitness therapy lab, where they can further their education and therapy and training through a different lens is important, you know? So that's fabulous. That's right. That's right. And, And I think that you nailed it on the head for me as well, Sam, because having worked in post acute for so long and seeing that complexity of client get more and more medically compromised. I kept saying to myself, you know, we're supposed to be healthcare providers. 
it almost feels like we're doing sick care. We're, we're, we're not necessarily on the preventative side. We're, we're here trying to be curative and, and with our clients. And it's almost impossible, as you say, whether they're there for two weeks because they're under some type of insurance plan or if you have some freedom because they have Medicare and you can see them for longer, there's still you know, short times for them to be there. And so we really need to emphasize to them that you know, rehab is not like a, 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 an auto repair place where you bring your, your vehicle in and they replace a few parts and you drive away thinking, well, it's ready to go, I'm all set. Rehab is like this ongoing process that starts probably before the, the events, the trauma, the medical, you know, event that came up, and it's going to continue. These are going to be issues that they're going to be sort of dealing with perhaps for the rest of their lives in the case of, say, a stroke or, you know, even a hip fracture or replacement. You know, one of my clients who I work with routinely now, we're, we're doing it all virtual because right now, because of the pandemic, we can't see each other face to face. She's a high risk. She's an older client with, you know, multiple medical issues. And so I've learned about the power of telehealth and how effective I can be, you know, working with her virtually. And OT is well suited for that as well, because, you know, at the heart of our, our profession, there's a lot of education that we do. You know, we teach our clients. But going back to her experience, she went through a sniff. She had her, in this case, it was a knee replacement. And because she didn't really follow up, she had to have a revision done. And when they did the revision, I think they, they shattered her, her femur. And she then had to have a metal rod put in. And all these complications as a result. And underneath it, she is dealing with, you know, having extra weights. She was dealing with probably not really having a great diet. Her routine didn't include exercise. She didn't really have this holistic view of how all of those things contributed to her condition. And so when we started working together a couple of years ago, it was just building some of those basic routines talking about ways to incorporate that into her schedule to the point where she is so self-directed in her routine that now she's caring for her husband who is suffering from Parkinson's wow. as well as maintaining her own health. And you, you, can, you know probably how demanding it is to be a caregiver. Oh, yeah. To do that as well as maintaining her own health is really quite remarkable. Yeah. Wow. That's great. That's a great view for the listeners that really don't know kind of the impact that we can have. And like, also, I, this is what I was thinking while you were telling that story. I feel like right now, and please tell me if you think I'm wrong. I think right now people are trying to fix like doctors and whatnot are trying to fix solutions within a sniff through medication management. And I mean, me personally, I don't like taking medications. I just would rather not. So it's like trying to find different avenues to address that pain or address the high blood pressure because also for patients, medication doesn't always work. So it's like, if I still have that chronic pain, where can I go to manage it even in an even better way, even knowing that there are avenues besides medication management, you know, that they can address, I think is important too. That's right. And this you know, in this particular client that I talked about, medication reduction is part of our, our plan, part of our intervention uh, strategy, because 
she has chronic low back pain as a result of her knee replacement. And the knee replacement led to a leg length discrepancy, which then led to her gait pattern being a little off, which then led to problems with her back. And all those other myriad of issues about diets and about lack of exercise and lack of understanding about that. The interesting thing about, I want you to exercise more and I want you to eat more appropriately. Well, what does that mean? How does that look? Um, So if I go to her as a client, is someone, say, in a different field could help her with these things. But what we started with was the occupational profile. And when she identified for me the things that were meaningful to her, So caring for her husband, having a significant relationship with her her children who lived out of state, which meant that she had to travel, which meant that she had to walk very far. She had to, you know, get on a plane and and Mm -hmm. deal with travel, and it's very demanding. She has uh, activities with her uh, community that she's really engaged in, volunteering at the local hospital, she goes to an aqua therapy um, class that she attends to help her manage her arthritis. And all of those things combined came out through the occupational profile. And so it was so much easier for me as a clinician to be able to pinpoint the areas that I can help her address and enhance so that she can do those occupations more effectively. And I think it made it, it made it clear for her. It was, it was educational to her just to use that perspective right from the start. It wasn't like, okay, you have knee pain. Oh, you have back pain. Oh, you're not eating right. You know, because typically the response from a physician is when you go to see them and, and know building different routines based on those occupations made it you know, more salient to her. She really understood what it was about. She was really motivated because it was tied to the things that she wanted to do. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Going through the occupational profile with a client that has like troubles with that really gives them a place to get motivated to eat better, to exercise, because you're not just giving them a handout with exercises. You're giving them an avenue through a meaningful activity to exercise or to eat well, you know? So yes. yeah, I love that. That's fabulous. I think, about, I think about also the, the spiritual and, and sort of emotional side of things, which I really think that OTs have, a, have sort of the ability to, to tap into. I, I mentioned that my wife's a psychologist, so I'm aware of, of approaches that work for clients based on talking with her. But, you know, we, we used, I think it's called the, the trans-theoretical, have her as a burden to them. So by her sort of taking charge and getting ahead of those things, emotionally, she's so much more resilient now that she's able to now do those things without even really thinking about it. And it shows in all of the relationships that she has. And so just another example of the holistic benefits of, of occupational therapy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for that example. That makes it more clear for like my listeners to even understand what an OT does in the health and wellness aspect too of things. But as an OT in general. So (laughs) isn't Dr. Chuba awesome? Well, thank you for listening. This is part one. Part two will be out next week um, to follow up a little bit more on our conversation. And um, I'm glad you came and I hope to see you soon. So I will post the next episode next week. Thanks for listening. See ya.